Good morning, everyone. Great to see everybody here this morning on this warm, long August weekend. And uh, I know we got a bunch of people out at Sela Camp this morning, and they're having a time together out there uh, in worship and, and, and the Word. Um, I'm not sure how many. I think there's 50 or 60 out there. And, um, but great you're here. I'm, I'm Dallas. I'm a community pastor here in Generations. If, uh, if you're new here this morning, you're visiting, we just really want to welcome you. And, and good on you for coming out on, on an August long weekend. That's awesome. I, um, I was a little distracted this week, and uh, at the risk of uh, misusing this platform and self-indulging, um, I had a granddaughter. Yeah. You're only a first-time grandparent once, right? So, um, so excuse me while I uh, uh, indulge a little bit here. Um, Miliana Lynn Fell was born last Sunday, uh, a week early, in Edmonton, and um, born to my daughter Kaylee and her husband Jared. When we got the phone call last Saturday, uh, honestly, I was a little disappointed, because <laughs> I'm the only one in the world who was praying that the baby would be late. And the reason why is because I'm scheduled to fly out there on August 18th, which just meant, oh no, it's going to be another week before I meet this child. So, but it just worked out that uh, I was able to drive out with, with Heather um, on Sunday. We arrived at the hospital uh, Monday morning, and I was privileged to see my granddaughter when she was under eight, 18 hours old. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we can just keep uh, going here, and, and uh, you know, this is all this morning's going to entail. Just look at my granddaughter there, yeah, isn't she? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> Many of you grandparents have been giving me uh, a little insight into uh, what to expect, and, and the reality is that, that uh, you really don't know, uh, I don't think you can be prepared for it, because you really don't know how you're going to respond to it until you're, you're in the moment, right? And, and you know what? I was speechless. It, it was similar to, to when my first daughter was, was born, but, but yet you didn't have this weight of responsibility and the fear of the unknown. You know, it was like, this is, this is just pure enjoyment. <laughs> so that's the best I can do at describing it. But um, there are moments in our lives when we're speechless, isn't there? Um, Last, last year, uh, I was um, up in Mount Washington skiing with some guys, and um, uh, I had to come back early on the Saturday night uh, for, for church the next morning. I had been wearing my contacts, of course, while I was skiing, and uh, uh, on my way out the door, one of the guys asked me if I had picked up my eyeglasses, make sure I, I hadn't forgot, and my response was this, yes, I have them in my cosmetic case. There was silence. The entire condo full of guys went silent. I was speechless. And finally one of the guys pipes up and says, uh, you mean shaving kit, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's what I meant. And then in an attempt to save me, he says, you realize that he grew up with only daughters. I'm like, thank you. And slipped out the door and went home. Yeah, it was one of those moments, speechless. <laughs> there are times when you're filled with awe and wonder. There's times when you're embarrassed. Or you're sitting in physics class and, uh, and the, in high school and the teacher calls your name and says, hey, can you explain gravity? Speechless? <laughs> uh, where do we begin? Other times when, when people get up in your face and they, you know, they're upset and they're, they're angry and they unload a bunch of stuff that doesn't make much sense and your only response is, uh, speechless? Don't know what to say to that. 
There are other times when there's, there's just no words and you run out of words. And this is a, a picture that I, I took actually in Cape Cod a number of years ago as a storm came over the, over the bay. And, uh, you know, there's so many of these times, especially on this island, when you get the sunrise or whatever, and just the beauty of God's creation and words run out when you try and describe it. You try and capture it on, on a picture, and it's just like, I can't, I can't describe it with words. I'm out of words. Have you ever been speechless in response to Jesus? Uh, I know there are times and I've experienced where I sense his presence with me so strong that I just can't speak. It's just overwhelming. There was 20 years ago, there was a song written by, by Jeff Moore and, and Stephen Curtis Chapman called Speechless. And he, and he says, we are speechless. We're astonished and amazed. We are silenced by your wondrous grace. We're speechless in your presence now. We're astounded as we consider how you have shown us a love that leaves us speechless. Just those moments when, when you just, you, you stand or maybe you can't stand, maybe you need to sit or maybe you need to kneel or even lie down that you're captivated. You're in awe of the reality of who Jesus is and how much he loves us. Those times when you, you end up speechless. Or what about the times you run out of words? What about prayer? You ever run out of words with prayer? You ever just, you pray and then, like, I don't know what else to pray. You know, if you take a, a quick walk through the New Testament there are so many times where we're told and encouraged to keep praying. It started with Jesus in Luke chapter 18. He, he told us always pray and never give up. We're encouraged to keep on praying in Romans. Pray about everything in Philippians chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer in Colossians chapter 4. And 1 Thessalonians 5 says, never stop praying. Well, I think we get the message here. You know, this is, this is not just uh, some add-on or some suggestion, but it's a, a major emphasis. Keep on praying. How, how is that possible to walk out? How do you pray endlessly? And I know there may be a, a few of you here, there one or two maybe, who say, Dallas, it's, it's like breathing to me, you know? <laughs> Maybe you're that person that it's just so natural and you do, you pray all the time. But the reality for most of us is that, that our, our prayer life extends to, to being the, the passenger in the car of, with a bad driver, you know? It's like, oh, Jesus, get me out of this, you know? Keep me safe. I don't know what they're doing down in kid zone that we need to pray for safety. I heard the heart of that little girl. I just like, I think we need to pray this morning for, for maybe it's after the week they had, I don't know. But uh, uh, that's awesome, just love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, maybe that's the extent of, of your prayer life. Can we just... Um, you know, some of us have this idea that, that prayer like that is just for the, the super spiritual, the, the people who, who have it all together. And many of us feel guilty or ashamed that we, about how much we pray or the lack of prayer that we have. And uh, some of us, some of you have given up even trying. You just said, I, I've tried, I've given a good shot. And you just don't know how to engage in that. Can we just make this really simple this morning? And, and I, I want to say that, that the, the pinnacle of the Christian life, to me, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the pinnacle. That's the apex. That's the top of the mountain. 
And he longs to connect with us. He longs to connect with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to, to hear our hearts. He wants to listen to his heart. Prayer in its simplicity is communication with Jesus. In its simplicity. When you break it right down, it's communication with Jesus. And we know that communication isn't just one way, is it? It's, it's both ways. And it involves listening. And Jesus not only wants to hear from us, but he wants to speak to us as well. And this is not just for some spiritually elite group. It's for each and every one of us who has invited Jesus to be the center of our lives. This is what, what Jesus desires. And so, so prayer involves speaking to Jesus Bringing our requests to him, yes, for sure. It involves sharing our feelings, our joys, our sorrows, our disappointments, our frustrations. It involves listening, which, which usually happens when we actually take intentional time to quiet ourselves from the hustle and bustle of life. And then there's a whole other area of praying for others. Did you know that this is something the Holy Spirit actually does? And we'll get to it in a few minutes, but the Holy Spirit prays, intercedes, it says, for us, for you, for me. And I don't understand that theologically. I just believe what it says in Scripture. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. He he intercedes on our behalf. And did you know that we, you and I, have an invitation to actively participate and partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer? You know, when I began to discover the reality of that truth, my prayer life changed, like, for, for good. It, it became something different. It became something dy dynamic. And literally the only time I run out of words in prayer is when I'm intentionally quieting myself to listen. Or I'm in a place of awe and worship in, in his presence. We're in a, a teaching series this summer called Spirit-Filled. And I know for, for, for some of us, some of you, it's, it's been very challenging and, and maybe it's even pushed a, a few buttons uh, uh, that are there. And I, I want to reiterate what's, what's really been said already is the reality is that not all Christians believe the same thing in regards to the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's, that's just true. It's, it's the way it's been. It's the way it is. If you're new to, to Generations Church or if, if you're coming from other church backgrounds, you may not have even heard about this. If you have heard about it, sometimes you maybe heard different teachings on it or, or you've heard even some negative things about it. And I want to just say that's okay. I, I'm not here to try and force anything. I'm not here to try and really convince you against your will in any way. There's an invitation. There's an invitation here that is given to each and every one of us. And I hope this morning that you take a step towards responding to that invitation. As church leaders, we have a strong sense that the Holy Spirit is inviting each of us to move on a progression from awareness to openness to hunger for more of him. And every one of us in this place is somewhere in that progression. And the, the sense we have is that the Holy Spirit is saying, keep going, keep going. For some of you, there's, there's hurdles to jump. You, you, you've been unaware. You've never heard of it, so you're becoming aware. And that's where you are right now. For some, there's fear. There's fear there. And for some, there's even unbelief that you just 
absolutely do not believe it. And those are some hurdles that, that, are, are faced with, uh, that we face. And in the next few minutes, I, I want to try and help you leap over some of those hurdles. I hope with the help of the Holy Spirit himself speaking to us that you get over some hurdles this morning. Another New Testament verse that encourages continual prayer is Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It says this, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Wow, that is a broad statement, isn't it? But it's this phrase specifically, in the spirit. That's quite a common phrase, and if we had time this morning, we could walk through some scriptures where that comes out. Um, there are many words and descriptions attached to this phrase, in the spirit. Some are biblical, some are implied from scripture, and others are just there because they're trying to describe an experience that has happened. There's being baptized in the Spirit. There's praising God in the Spirit. Some have talked about resting in the Spirit or being slain in the Spirit or being drunk in the Spirit. And here in, we, in Ephesians, we see this phrase, Praying in the Spirit. So what, what is this in the Spirit business? And specifically, what is this praying in the Spirit? And let's go back to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We mentioned that briefly uh, before. It, and just a few more verses. Very short verses altogether here. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. That's what we saw before. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Some of your, your Bibles say do not quench the Holy Spirit or suppress the Spirit. That little phrase to me is astounding. When you, when you really uh, look at it, it's amazing. It's saying that we have a very unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. What amazes me more is, is how what we do, or in some cases we don't do, can, affect, can have an effect on what the Holy Spirit does or can't do. Yeah. That's what it's saying. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So there's something that I can do that actually has an influence on what the Holy Spirit can do. That, before we get into it, that just the realization that there is this unique relationship that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit. And it's that close. And there's effect, there's cause. It's really, really mind-boggling. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with us. He wants to, to, to co-labor with us. And, and we can say, well, well, God can just do it, you know? Well, absolutely he can. He is powerful enough, but he's made a choice to use you and I. Right. He's made a choice to invite us to partner in what he is doing to see his will and his purpose accomplished both in you and through you to the world around you. It, it's really amazing. This, this word specifically stifle, can, it can either illustrate kind of squelching a fire or another illustration is stopping the flow. And both, both metaphors, both pictures have value. The Holy Spirit's described throughout Scripture as, as, as wind, as water, as fire, just to give us an idea of who he is. Bill Johnson says that this, this stopping the flow, it's like taking a, a garden hose, you know, and you don't have a fancy uh, squirter thing on the end of it. 
you just have the, the hose and the water's flowing. And the only way you're going to stop that without running back to the tap is what? You put a kink in the hose. Terrible on the hose, but effective, right? Um, <laughs> so this is, this is the picture that it says about stifling the Holy Spirit. And flow, the word flow, is a term that, that you can use in reference to both wind and water. There's, there's a flow of air. And, oh Lord, let it come a little bit more. Um, there's water flow, you know, that happens. So this word flow can be, can be used in, in, in both those contexts of wind and water. In a sense with the Holy Spirit, there is a flow to his movement. There is a flow to what he does. And we can actually resist that movement. Or we can ignore that movement. Or we can learn to observe it and respond to it. The only sailing that I've done was uh, once on a small lake in Alberta with a, a little eight-foot sailing boat, and I caught a taste of it, and I, I loved it. Besides the fact that it was scary, I was going to be stranded out in the middle of this lake. But uh, um, I honestly don't know much about sailing. Uh, uh, Mike and Patty aren't here. I know many of you know a lot about sailing. You, you, you do it. Um, but the one thing I do know that it's possible for sailors like some of you to learn the flow of the wind and respond to it. And in the same way, we can observe and respond to the Holy Spirit. There is a, a flow in the Spirit that you can sense in prayer. What we're talking about, you can also sense it in, in worship. And I just want to say that emotion is not the indicator whether the Holy Spirit is moving or flowing or not. Emotion isn't the indicator. The flow of the Spirit can involve our emotions, but it can also be void of emotion. And sometimes in learning to be aware of the direction of the flow of the Holy Spirit, emotion is actually, can be a helpful guide. Because there's, there's an excitement just like there is when, when you're sailing and the wind catches your sail and all of a sudden, you know, there's no motor at the back cranking out loudly and, and disturbing your peace, but in the quietness, all of a sudden there's energy and the wind takes your boat. And there's that excitement there. And so a lot of times when Holy Spirit moves, it does engage our emotions. And there's an excitement there. But that awareness needs to continue to grow and mature to not be dependent on emotions. Because emotions aren't always dependable. And just like learning to respond to the wind in a sailboat, partnering with the Holy Spirit in worship and in prayer. There's a dynamic next to it. There's a, there's a dynamite experience that, that you and I can have. And that's what I discovered that transformed my prayer life. And in a sense, it will not leave you without words. You won't get stuck. Yeah, there's gonna be those times of of, of wilderness and dryness. But there is, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, there's always words. In Romans chapter 8, and I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you here this morning, but I just really, I'm taking a huge subject and, and trying to condense it down here. But Romans chapter 8 in verse 26, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, 
We don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. This is the verse I was referring to earlier. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, Paul, as he's writing this to the the Romans in this letter, he's saying this is an example of how the Holy Spirit can help us in our weakness. So if you're weak in prayer, here's a solution for you. Here's a direction for you. Weakness here is is frailty, and and this is my word, but it's, it's a limitedness. A limitedness. In, in my humanity, I'm limited, right? There's only so many things I can do. I am limited in my humanity. I am weak. I need help. And that's what about, that's all what is about uh, Jesus coming into our lives is the admission that, hey, I need something from the outside to help me because there's nothing in here that can help myself. That's weakness. The Holy Spirit, it says, knows how to pray. I don't. The Holy Spirit always knows God's will in every situation and prays in accordance to God's will. I don't. There are many times I don't know the will of God in a situation. Somebody's asking for prayer, and honestly, I don't know. I don't know what God's will is. But the Holy Spirit always, always knows. But the invitation is to come in our weakness and partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer as he prays. The Holy Spirit is praying for you and I right now. He's he's interceding for us before the Father, each and every one of us in this place this morning, right now. That's what he's doing. And the invitation is for us to come alongside the Holy Spirit and experience that prayer too and be a part of that prayer that he's already praying. That's the invitation. A pastor in... New York, um, if I can find it here, Jim uh, Simbala, in Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City, he says this, God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. Our weakness, in fact, makes room for his power. Can we continue to move from awareness to openness to hunger? Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, a, a huge area that he, he did a great job in, 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 in condensing it down to, to one message. There is a gift called tongues we've talked about in this series. But there's also a a prayer language. And I love the book of 1 Corinthians. I I just love it. There's so much to learn about the life of the Spirit in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. But in reality, this book is a letter that is written by, by the Apostle Paul to a very, very dysfunctional church. <laughs> I mean, they had stuff going on that, that would make all of us red, you know, uh, in the face uh, with embarrassment. I mean, there was stuff happening in that church. And this is what Paul is writing to this church in, in Corinth. And when it came to the presence and the power of the Spirit, uh, 
people came to Jesus and then they discovered the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was so exciting and they embraced it and they went for it, but there was very little Christ-likeness in their, in their exuberance. There was, there was mayhem going on. And it would happen, they would, they would gather as a, as a church together, and most of what Paul instructs in this letter is about what happens when they got together. And they weren't honoring each other. They weren't loving each other. And when it came to tongues, everyone was like, wow, this is cool. And they started praying in tongues. And it would just be like right now, if all of us started praying in tongues, and I'm trying to, to get the message. It would just be like, what is this? People walk in and say, this is a zoo. Wow. You know, like here this guy's up, up front trying to talk and everybody's speaking in tongues. And it's like, the, you know, I'm, I'm praying in tongues and the guy next to me, well, I can pray more than you, you know, and, and I can pray louder than you. And that's, that's the kind of environment that was happening in this church in Corinth. And, and Paul's saying, hey, guys, wait a minute here. Yes. The gifts are powerful. Yes, Holy Spirit is powerful. But there's a few things you need to keep in mind. Number one is everybody has gifts. And everybody brings a different gift that the Holy Spirit has given. And so when you get together, bring your gifts together. But make room for all of them. Make room for each one of them. And most importantly of all, you guys, you got to love each other. Because there was a lot of pride going on. And, and as you read through, through the book of 1 Corinthians, that's where he starts to say, you know what? You're all puffed up. You're all proudful. And that pride came in with the gifts of the Spirit. And that's, that's what happened was it just became this competition. It, it just became this, this really useless thing. And right in the middle of Paul's discussion, specifically on the gifts in chapter 12 and 14, we have sandwiched in the middle an entire chapter. And if you're familiar with it, maybe you had it at your wedding. I don't know. But the context of that verse, that chapter, 13, is the love chapter. And it's about gifts. And it's about the church gathering together and being used by the Spirit. Most of all... Love one another. The first verse, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, you know what? I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That's all I'm doing. I'm just making a bunch of noise. If I don't have love. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. And I, I won't take time to, to delve into this because there is some depth to it. Pastor Darcy did touch on it a couple weeks ago. So in this series, if you've missed some of the other uh, um, weeks, uh, go back online and, and try and catch that. Um, but there is this, this gift. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. So what that means is, is not everybody, it's not a place for everybody to come and try and sing a solo in the choir of the church type of thing. That was a great illustration that, that Pastor Darcy used. But when you are praying in the Spirit, tongues is a natural and dynamic expression of that partnership with the Holy Spirit. And like I said, if you want to delve into that, hopefully you can catch the, that series online. I, there's this fantastic book that, that I'm most of the way through um, by Andrew K. Gabriel. He's a Canadian uh, um, theologian, and uh, it, it was recently released called Simply Spirit-Filled. It's a very easy read. Uh, for a doctor, it's very easy read. I was very impressed with that. Um, <clears throat> very helpful if you're exploring or you just want a refresher. Uh, it's, it's a, I highly recommend that book. And some of what I, I'm talking about this morning comes out of some of the ideas that he's presenting in that book. Praying in the Spirit is not magical, but it is supernatural. It involves a synergy with the Spirit. The Bible says, 
who enables us. But the words are formed by our mouth, by our voice, by our tongue that we control. And a lot of people get tripped up right there. But it's a synergy between the Holy Spirit and you. It's not all him and it's not all you. And it may sound gibberish, but I want to say that not every unintelligible sound is tongues. That's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> you know, if, if, uh, if you jump out from around the corner and try and scare me as I'm going here, and say, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, that's not tongues, all right? It sounds gibberish, but it's probably not tongues, especially if you're trying to scare me, you know? There's just something about that. Um, I can say gibberish words and play Clash of Clans on my phone. It's probably not tongues. Why? Because there is an engagement with the Holy Spirit, a locking in. It's like the coupling that holds the train cars to the locomotive. It's, that's to me a beautiful picture. Holy Spirit's the locomotive and we can be coupled to him. And it becomes this, this beautiful partnership that really I don't all understand. But it's amazing and it's powerful the same thing happens with, with musical worship. You may be so familiar with a song that you can, you know, play Clash of Clans and sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and save the wretch like me. You know what? You're probably not worshiping. Because the familiarity of the song is coming from your memory, is coming from your mind. But in order to be worshiping, you worship in spirit, that coupling has to happen. There has to be a, an engagement with the Holy Spirit in order for the words of the song to become worship. And that's what happens in prayer. That's what happens uh, in, in worship. When, when I'm speaking in tongues, I don't understand what's, what's coming out of my mouth, but I know I'm praying. And I usually have an idea what I'm praying because it usually flows out of a prayer that I do understand. In other words, I'm praying in English and I understand it and those around me understand it. But I get to the end of that prayer, but I still feel I need to keep going. And in the flow of the Spirit, I flow into unintelligible language as the Holy Spirit enables me. And so I have an idea that what I just prayed in English most likely is what I'm praying in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, uh, Paul saying, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit and I will also sing in words I understand. There is a difference. And you and I can learn to discern what is in the mind, what, what is flowing out of us, what we are bringing to the table, and what is Holy Spirit. And there's an opportunity for us to grow and mature in recognizing, again, the flow of the Spirit. Uh, one unique approach that, um, that I stumbled across a few years ago, and I, I've tried it occasionally, is you take a song that is very familiar to you, that you know and you can play Clash of Clans with, you know? Um, if you don't know what Clash of Clans, don't worry about it. It's one of those games that you play on the, anyway. Um, you take a very familiar song that you can just sing without thinking about. And instead of singing the words that you know, begin to sing in the spirit. Begin to sing with unintelligible words. And what it does is 
the, the, the song and the melody is coming out of your mind, coming out of your memory, coming out of the familiarity of what you know. But the words are enabled by the Spirit. And as you do that, it's a way that you can begin to discern what is what, is what I bring to the table and what is Holy Spirit. I've been wrestling with whether to give you an example. You know what? This is foolishness. This is foolishness. But I'm willing to be fool, be, look like a fool to some of you. Because this is how important this is. And you can sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Maybe there's someone in this place that understands what I just prayed. Maybe it was in your language. I don't know. I didn't understand it. But that's what it is. And it opens up this whole realm that takes you from your limitedness as a human into the limitlessness of the Spirit of God. And the coupling and the partnership that he invites us to be a part of. Andrew Gabriel again writes, as someone prays in tongues, they may not understand what they're praying about and their mind may be unfruitful, but this does not mean it is meaningless or irrational prayer. Rather, praying in tongues is a supra-rational experience. That is an experience that goes beyond our understanding and rationality. And he goes on to explain that there are many other experiences in life that you and I experience and we easily accept that could be described as above rationality. A person can communicate sorrow, pain, or joy through weeping in ways that words cannot express. Joy can be conveyed, as we saw our kids, dancing, <laughs> uh, jumping up, clapping, whatever it might be, oftentimes what we do in, in musical worship. A lot can be conveyed without words. Through a painting or a sculpture, an artist can express thoughts and emotions that go beyond words. Is that right, you artists out there? And that's what happens when you pray in the Spirit. It is supra-rational, beyond rational, but powerful and meaningful. So when you're praying in tongues, there's three things that, that are very obvious in Scripture, and not just limited to that, but, but three things you're probably doing. Uh, one is you're praising God in the Spirit. And you can, you can look up these, these verses um, uh, later on. Uh, a lot of times when you're, when you're praying in tongues, you're, 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 you're praising God. Um, when people pray in tongues, it's also possible that you're giving thanks to God, it says. Uh, all of these same verses in, in 1 Corinthians 14. And this is a wonderful way that... that um, you know, you're playing, praying in English or your native tongue and you just get to the end of what you can think of to say, but then you can step in one step further to begin to pray in tongues. And you're just continuing on in that thanksgiving, praying, giving thanks to God. Praying in tongues can also be edifying. And to me, this is one of the most powerful things that you and I can experience. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Wow. So when I pray in tongues, I'm, 
I'm encouraging myself. Um, Andrew Gabriel says that this word translated edify means to promote growth or to build up. To promote growth or to build up. And he says it's like, like building or repairing a house. And so when you, when you need to be, be built up or repaired, and sometimes we talk about uh, healing prayer or, or inner healing, uh, that type of the stuff, uh, tongues can be a part of that. There's a repairing that happens on the inside as we pray in tongues. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 reminds us that the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And you know what? I just say, I'll take all the life I can get and I'll take all the peace I can get. And that's how tongues edifies yourself. And this can come by way of praying in the Spirit. I'm going to ask the, uh, the, the band to, to, to come back. And I just want to arrest everybody at ease. There is an invitation that I want to do this morning, but it's an invitation to all of us. How do you begin to pray in the Spirit if you don't already? And just two very simple thoughts as we close. Is... First of all, eagerly desire. And again, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that with all the gifts and especially the gift of prophecy, it says. But there has to be this desire that you want. If you don't want it, you know what? It's probably not gonna happen. And that's okay. If it's not for you, and that's, that's what we just need to, to get over. I'm not forcing this. It's an invitation. I'm telling you what I've experienced. I'm telling you what I see in Scripture. And it's the invitation for you to come and experience something that is amazing and that is powerful. In partnership with the Holy Spirit. And His desire is for you to step into that. But if you're just saying, Dallas, this is too much. This is way beyond me. That's Okay. You can be a part of Generations Church and feel that way. We absolutely are open to, to people. And, and you know what? If we have to agree on everything, none of you would be here this morning. I wouldn't be here. Because we can't. We don't. But it's okay. It's okay. We can be a church together in unity and see things differently. And if this isn't for you, and that's just where you're at, that's okay. There's no guilt. There's no pressure. But I do want you to, to wrestle with this. What we hear, what we sense from the Spirit is, can we go from, if you're not aware, hopefully you become a little bit more aware this morning. And I encourage you to dig in a little deeper because I am confident that of what you will find. So awareness. But if you're already aware, but you're maybe not open, for whatever that is, press into that. And just ask God to, to, to show you, to soften your heart, if that is your desire. And then move to that place of hunger. And this is for everybody. And you know what, on Pentecost Sunday, a, a few weeks ago, at the beginning of June, I just came away from that and said, God, I need to be more hungry. I read these stories of people in the past and, and their experience with the Holy Spirit took a great leap forward when they got to that place of desperation and they got to that place of God I need and I want more of you and that hunger was there. And I think of, of uh, Ellen Hebden in Toronto and just how she, God I wanna see more power when I pray for people for healing. And God's response was speak in tongues. <laughs> God's response was be filled with the Spirit. Be baptized with the Spirit. And that opened up a whole realm for her. And to me, that was just like, God, I need more hunger in my life. And that's for each and every one of us here. And especially if you've been walking this for any length of time.
This is, this is our challenge. This is our, this is our battle that you and I, the longer we are walking and praying in the spirit, the more we need to come back to this hunger because there's more. Holy Spirit is limitless. And he invites us to come into that partnership. The second thing is ask the Father, and that's in Matthew 7. Jesus says, you know what? Ask the Father. <laughs> he's going he's to respond. He's going to give. And Pastor Darcy talked about that a, a few weeks ago again, that sometimes there's frustration in why that isn't happening, whatever. But, but the truth is Jesus said it. And the Father wants to give good gifts to his children and he will give the Holy Spirit, it says, to those who ask. First experience is, is different for, for everyone, I think. Depending on who you are, your personality, your context. Some people are baptized in the Holy Spirit in the middle of singing in church. Some people, it happens in the prayer room or after the service. Some people, it's while driving their car. I've heard all these stories. I know people who have experienced each one of these things, driving their car and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit presence fills the car and they begin to speak in a language they don't understand. Some people leave it in the shower. Holy Spirit's not afraid of jumping in the shower. It happens. So for each and every one of you, it, it, it'll look different. It'll sound different. It'll be different. But the Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask, if you eagerly desire and you ask. Remember, it's a synergy that happens. A synergy that happens. You pray in tongues as the Spirit enables you. Did you catch that? It's not all Holy Spirit. It's not all you. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. You pray in the Spirit as the Spirit enables you. And as you step into this, as you grow in this, you'll never run out of words in prayer. You'll never run to the end. You'll never lack a description because you can enter into this whole realm of the Holy Spirit. Can we stand together? And just to rest you at ease, we're, I've just asked the band to come and, and we're gonna just sing that song, Raise a Hallelujah. And can we just raise a hallelujah this morning as we close? And just hold on, Steve. I know you're, you're just like... <laughs> I, f I feel that horse just about to leave the stable, you know? Whoa, just a minute. And if you just raise a hallelujah, raise a hallelujah. If, if you understand this whole thing of, of praying in tongues, go for it. Um, if you haven't and you're open, take a step of faith. Remember, it's you and the Holy Spirit. Just take a step of faith and you may even be baptized in the next few moments. As we do this, raise this hallelujah. What is hallelujah? It's praise the Lord. It's praise the Lord. So if you're speaking in tongues, that's, you're praising, you're bringing praise to God. And no pressure, no, no guilt, no, nobody's going to come and, and, and force you to do anything, all right? The invitation is there, and then we're going to close in prayer with a blessing. And if anybody wants more prayer, there's always the prayer room. So let's, let's sing this together, and let's raise a hallelujah as we close this morning.